Coming up on episode 47 of the Upful Life podcast. It feels like a pretty straight line, honestly. I mean, that record was really the introduction to that folk and Americana and electronic music and marrying those two together and trying to marry those two together, which really at that time, as far as I know, just really hadn't been done very much. It was like Beats Antique, kind of, but it wasn't like singer song driven right um, in that way of like bring really bringing like folk and electronic music and i think that really that i mean that changed the whole game right like i was like oh. 100 percent. like i didn't i didn't i mean i had done i hadn't even done that many songs that were that lyric driven at that point and i'd say that yeah so it's like an integral part of the genesis of this and and i mean i love i love what rising appalachia has done and where they've taken their stuff and and I love that we've got to make a couple songs over the years. I I do truly wish that we got to make a we we get to make more. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm sure that will happen at some point. And I hope I actually I see a Gone Gone Beyond Rising Appalachia collaboration. I mean that just sounds like a no brainer to me. I'm just starting to get back to touring again, and 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 observing what I think sometimes I I underestimate as like the trauma that a lot of people have experienced over the last 15 months. I mean, and, and many places in the world are still experiencing just by being separated from other people. Indeed. I mean, God, I really wish they used another term besides social distancing and they just did physical distancing. Like they couldn't, they have just done physical distancing. Like, Hey, just stay apart. Be social. Don't, don't limit your socialness. Socialness isn't, inherent necessary part of our happiness as a species um unless you're going to try to be like the buddha and like be a recluse in a cave um i mean if you want to be a regular human we want to be together Indeedy, welcome to the Upful Life Podcast. I'm your host, B. Getz, and this is episode number 47, coming at you live and direct from the Vibe Junkie Studio in Oakland, California. 47, our angels go to heaven. And we are so grateful you are tuning in. A lot of sound from the jungle 
the city looking for a bigger crown So I pay my boogie for the people of big city But they don't go crazy when I'm banging on my boogie I'm the banging on my boogie I'm the banging, bang, bang, banging on my boogie Oh, boogie, oh, boogie, bang, bang, banging on the, the, the. Yes, indeedy. We're back and stoked. Episode 47. But before we get into all that jazz, want to give thanks to some friends of the show. Starting with Herb and Music, the healing of the nations. Herbandmusic.com. That's H-E-R-B-A-N-M-U-S-I-C.com. Herb and Music, the healing of the nations. Cannabis and music have been cosmically intertwined since the beginning of time. Modern music and marijuana culture have enjoyed a chromatic relationship, a defiant, righteous dalliance between these once forbidden fruits. Urban Music is a fresh online magazine that seeks to explore this storied history between the worlds of sound art, spirituality, and raised vibration. They intend to celebrate the people, the songs, and the stories behind the music, marijuana, and movements. The concept is intentional, feature-based, throwback to magazine journalism and topical coverage that really digs deep into our intellect and consciousness. Now, shameless plug, I've got a new John dropping on Urban Music this month. should see it right around the time this pod drops. And it is an interview with the legendary Shinehead the Jamaican in New York himself. So check that out, urbanmusic.com, the healing of the nations. Shout out my man, Michael A. Shout out to Nico at Irie Magazine. Also want to give thanks and show love to Live for Live Music. Y'all know what it is. They do the damn thing. Throw the shows, tell the stories. They're just in the middle of the culture in major ways. And it's an honor and a privilege to be a part of the team you can check out my latest on liveforlivemusic.com about the lettuce shows it took place in lake dillon colorado last weekend independence day weekend Corey henry isaiah sharkey judith hill flamingosis check it out on liveforlivemusic.com you can also check out everything that i do the podcast articles you name it on upfullife.com upfullife.com up for life is where all my shit is housed forever. Also want to let y'all know uh, you can rate and review this podcast. Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever your platform of choice goes a long way to sending the algorithms in this direction. So please rate and review the podcast if you are so inclined or have the time. Same goes for the Patreon if you have a couple dollars to make your boy holler, I get paid to do the wild thing. Patreon.com backslash Life. You get stickers, you get music, you get tips on what's happening. And you can support what I'm doing with music media and such at the Patreon.com backslash Life. And then, of course, I know you all know about Eric Krasno, The Guest List, which is a premium podcast that I co-host with Eric Krasno, co-founder of Lettuce and Soul Live, a dear friend 
an iconic musician and a major, major player in La Cosa Nostra, this thing of ours. So it's been uh, just a wonderful experience to co-host that show with Eric. And you can check that out on Osiris Media. It's five bucks a month. You get two bonus pods. And of course, I got to let you know, if you just want to hit me up, holler at your boy. I love to hear from listeners. Email me direct, b.gets at upfullife.com. Any kind of feedback, constructive criticisms, suggestions, connections, vibrations. I appreciate anybody who takes a moment to drop me a line. And please rate and review the Upful Life podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. It had my body, then the spirit came To ask me if I thought my love was true Oh, for sure, I said The time I spent in silence was a prize I know I may seem childish, but I'm still afraid To sleep alone and night is coming soon Be like a little more If you be like I'll follow Yes, indeedy. It is an absolute joy to welcome my dear friend, David Block, the human experience, to the Upful Life podcast, one-fourth of the international Gone Gone Beyond, a four-part musical hybrid group who just released an incredible record, 2030. So, uh, yeah, just for those of you less initiated or new to the human experience and gone, gone beyond, I am going to read a little bit of the band bio and then something else from somebody very special to me uh, in relation to this music. And then we'll welcome David with an interview. Each player of the Gone Gone Beyond musical family comprised of multi-instrumentalist singer-songwriters David Block, Danny Musengo, Cat Factor, and Mel Samay. Each brings a unique and diverse perspective on sound, culture, and life. The synergy is magical. With 2030 Gone Gone Beyond delivers an urgent message of hope and change for our planet set against their inimitable brand of music described as mesmerizing future folk. 
that honors the traditions of folk Americana songwriting while bringing together a myriad of influences from electronica, jazz, soul, and world music. You're hearing Little Moon, the first single from 2030, second song on the album, collection of existential love songs exploring our connection to one another and the planet. Um, Normally I would talk a little bit about my own relationship with David, which is a special one. First found him at Symbiosis in 2013, a very pivotal event for me personally and professionally. And he's really soundtracked the better part of the last decade of my life uh, between his solo works, collaborative efforts as human experience, the timeless treasure that is Soul Visions, a collaboration with Rising Appalachia, and for the past half decade, Gone Gone Beyond. Now, made a post about this record, sent it to some friends, one of whom is the great Dennis Cook. Dennis Cook is one of my three biggest inspirations and influences as a music journalist, uh, going back to when he used to write on the nascent message boards about the Black Crows. He was then my editor and eventually editor-in-chief at jambase.com for many years and he shepherded my own craft and helped me distill what I do brought out my personality my style my emotions he is uh, just you know I'm a words guy he's a words guy I really don't have for words for Dennis Cook but um, he had some words for 2030 and they weren't just your average Facebook post, check out this awesome album. It is a work of art, what Dennis wrote after his virgin time listening to 2030. So instead of me jumping in the Wayback Machine and telling a million stories, we do that in the interview. I'm going to take five minutes and read something that Dennis Cook shared. Love you, Dennis, and thank you for these words and for everything. Quote, One can't always engineer the ideal setting to meet an album, but when it happens, the impact and emotional heft of a beautifully built song cycle can be deep, intense, and memorable. I'd been putting off listening to Gone Gone Beyond's 2030 until the moment felt right. After a heartfelt endorsement from trusted brother B. Getz, I did not want to meet 2030 casually. Today, my son and I took a morning cruise through the redwood-wrapped curves of Highway 9 between Felton and Santa Cruz. Instinct told me this was the right time, and within a minute, my boy and I went quiet as we passed through the valley from Scott's Valley towards the highway. Then we listened in silence, extending our drive through more small, empty side roads surrounded by nature, our car a moving ritual space we refused to surrender until the album ended. 2030 hums with the care of its creation, the fruit of listening, jamming and growing still enough to hear when a splash of reverb, a mechanized thump, or a honey-woven harmony is just the thing for a passage. Every minute of 2030 rewards leaning in, setting aside news alerts, text messages, and worldwide hum we carry in our pockets. 
by consciously choosing a sustained hush broken by smooth rising waves and modern flourishes amidst an acoustic human voice-centered sound. Every shift is felt and works to fuel a cohesive, enveloping wholeness. God, Dennis is so good. Front and center are their four compelling, distinctive voices. A combination as bafflingly charismatic and effective as the disparate singers in the band and Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Their singing is ringing, caressing humanity at the heart of 2030. Other ancestors and kindred echoes include Solid Air era John Martin, Espers, Midlake, Terry Riley's River Period, Fairport Convention, Devondra Banhart, and Bright Black Morning Light. Though none of these is an exact fit because Gone Gone Beyond are doing their own thing, it's a swell lineage nonetheless. That the music also lends itself to down-tempo and intelligent house remixes is a testament to the sturdiness and vision of the original pieces, which are dabbled with fuzz and machine elements that remind us that this isn't a throwback. I imagine a late-night set by Gone Gone Beyond could be tailored to an EDM, hippie jam, or die-hard folk festival, and fly high in all settings. I can already think of several fests perfect for Gone Gone Beyond. Looking at you, Lost Sierra Hoedown, Camp Deep End, and High Sierra Music Festival in California, and Summer Meltdown Festival in Washington. Personally, I'm chomping at the bit to see them live, ASAP. We extended our drive to listen to the first half of 2030 again. The album and its fascinating creators will linger for a long while. A fine discovery. Thanks for the pointer, B. It's for you. with The Human Experience, Mr. David Block. After some technological snafus and, you know, maybe Mercury retrograde, something like that, I got to say, it's a long time in the making, an honor and a privilege to welcome my dear friend, one of my favorite creators across multiple spectrums, and uh, just an important person in a lot of people's lives. And that's the human experience himself, Mr. David Block. Welcome to the Upful Life podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's really great to see you. This is this is a treat. This is a treat. I was even telling someone earlier, I was like, this has been like a, a lot of like podcast interview time for me right now with the new record. And I'm like, you know, this is special though. Like I've known this guy for like over 10 years. Like, you know, that's, you don't get to say that for, for everybody person you're doing an interview with it's more of a conversation you know yeah yeah that's how i frame them mostly interviews 
you know, our cold calls or somebody you're not that familiar with. But we we'd talk like this on or off the record. And, and I like that to be kind of the tenor of my podcast uh, is just conversations and not so much interviews. And yeah, man, like I said, it's a long time in the making. Uh, have been a fan of yours for a decade and a friend for almost that long. And it's been an absolute joy to watch you spread your wings over this time as a, like I said, a creator across so many spectrums. But really the music drew me in and I've seen you just diversify your craft so much and profoundly. So when I do these, I like to start in the here and now and then kind of hop in the way back machine. And of course, we got lots of, you know, remember whens, but let's start with the mm-hmm. right now because there's no time yeah. like the present. And like you said, we haven't seen each other in a while. Um, the last time I saw you, you were playing a show here in the Bay Area with Gone Gone Beyond. And for the encore, you came out and you said, we are so excited about this new song. We can't, we have to play it. We can't wait. And it was a little moon. It was what you encored with in, and we walked out of it. We, I mean, we already loved the show, but we walked out of that show. Like, wow, the new shit is going to be even next level. I had a sneak peek at the record and uh, I believe that was a correct proclamation. So let's start (laughs) with the new shit because it is absolutely dynamite. And by the time this airs, people will be able to hear it. So Let's get into the new record. Uh, what transpired between that time, that tour you did on the last record when you wrote Little Moon and what we're hearing now? Yeah, I mean, it's this album has been an interesting adventure because it spans like about three years of songwriting, you know, over 50 songs um, written and about 30 of them recorded, um, about 20 of them mastered even to get to like these 12 so it spans a pretty wide journey, um, and there, and it's like it's definitely been piecemealed together in a totally different way. Like so many cities and so many players from all over the place, and I mean it's just very different than the, usually I would feel like going and making an album. Um, but I think what's changed the biggest change that's like if you were to like. A, B, what Gone Gone Beyond was specifically. I mean, I guess there's a, there's a lot there, but um, I mean, one, we're really transitioning from Gone Gone Beyond being the human experience's band to just Gone Gone Beyond being its own thing, uh, like becoming Voltron. Like it's like Captain Planet or like the X-Men. It's like it, it's its own thing. It's not just like Cyclops from the X Men, and Cyclops has a bunch of powers, and so it's Cyclops is X Men or Professor Xavier's X Men, whatever. It's like really like its own. It's it's had enough time to gestate as an actual band and become an actual band instead of like me putting things, some things together, which I think that and it's like the genesis was that right. The genesis, at least, of this music was like. Songs that are mine and Mel's, songs that are mine and Danny, songs that are mine and Kat's. And now it's our songs. And it's truly, it's a new, it's a new chapter of my, of my career. You know, I can say after 10, 11 years now of being like a solo touring artist, having worked with a ton of people, like tons, like, you know, 60 different artists from Rising Appalachia to Android Jones to all some amazing artists. 
this is the first time where I've had to like, this music is not my music. It's our music. It's, it's real. And I've never had that. I really, you know, like I've had that in my collaborations, but at the end of the day, it's really been my say. And part of the ego death of Gone Gone Beyond for me <laughs> is that it's not my music anymore. You know, it was. It was a, a lot more me-centered, and I play a very big role in it, obviously. But at the same time, it's like this record is so far beyond. I feel like it has like whatever me was like 5X because of how many filters it had to go through to get to 12 songs where four band members and then fit the fifth the fifth Beatle, Sean Rodman, uh, you know, played on like eight of the songs, seven of the songs on the record. Um, had to go through all those filters for us to get to right. where, right? You know, and yeah. when I would think a song was done, they would make me dig deeper. I'd be like, right. this is done. They're like, it's not done. I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Yeah, I was going to ask about that specific, like maybe distill that part of the process. Uh, you're a solo artist, you create, you have final say. And, and we can dig into this part of it down the road, but it did begin as something as maybe a side project. Or, I remember its inception, mm -hmm. you know, backswing, seeing you perform. Yeah, dude, you were, you were, you were, yeah. Envision, like just the two of you, Danny coming down there and then, you know. Now they don't understand the game. Now they don't understand the game. They don't understand the game. Blood in my veins, tasted fortune and fame, but it's not enough. Falling star, I threw my life in a car and I followed love. You worked with Kat on your own thing and then <clears throat> folded exactly. her in. Worked with Mel. You had your side project just with him. And then exactly. I, I remember, I mean, I remember the first full band performance at LIB and then seeing the leap from then till San Francisco last year or two years ago, whatever that was. My point is, as a, a solo artist, uh, being in this band dynamic and having filters, not only the band members, but other players, producers, peoples in different city, whoever the staff is or whatever studio you're working in, you've made like a record in like the rock sense, the, the like collaborative, all the tiers, all the filters. Did you find that uh, advantageous emboldening to the process or product? Uh, or maybe did it prohibit or inhibit you because of so many cooks in the yeah. kitchen? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, at the end, the the final thing that we've ended up with, which, I mean, in my humble opinion, is, like, really good. You know, oh, yeah. like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I I feel like I'm such a big critic. I love I love the music. The music I make... I love it because it's medicine for me. It feels good for me to make it. I've always been the one that enjoys my own music. I'm not like the self-deprecating one that's like, oh, what's, I'm, I'm shit. I'm like, I love music. Music makes you feel good. That's why I make it. You know what I mean? Sure. But this is a whole other dimension. You know, 
And it's a whole other dimension because I think it did push my boundaries way past my comfort zone. I mean, in multiple, in so many steps, I mean, I've been stretching and stretching and stretching creatively to be able to allow the space for a song like Marigold or Canyons, you know, like the fact that that can live, that the song before Marigold is a better way to love. The most electronic song on the album sits next to the most acoustic song on the album and it plays. I don't, I don't, I don't even know how we did it really. Like I can't even, it's like, I was like, I can't believe that works. I can't believe it works. Um, but I couldn't have never ever done that without them, you know? Sure, sure. But also, it, you had it within you. You've always played piano. I remember when you started singing yeah. along with your solo stuff. So if anything, the, they brought more out of you. But you're right. It wasn't until we got to that song, Better Way to Love. Is that is that Mel on lead vocals? No, that's actually Cat pitched down four cents. Oh, wow. And you're me. trying to figure it out. So it's me. It's me and Cat pitch down singing in unison. Right on. Yeah, it's a different sound, but it's it was and my fiance remarked that this was like the the connector song to the last era, like for fans who were like used to some more electronic flourishes, production elements, beats. Uh you didn't abandon that totally, but yeah. it's grown more and more subtle. Yeah, I mean, there's it's 50-50. This record, if you break it down, is 50-50. It has Little Moon, which is, right, that has like 808s and like sure. really beautiful stuff, like that's lush electronic. But it, the album as a whole does lean more acoustic, you know? Yeah. And folky. And, yeah, and folky, way folkier. <laughs> I was really uh, impressed with how much, uh, well, I guess I don't know who's singing anymore now that you tell me that, but... Uh, just, you know, Danny has always been, in essence, the lead vocalist, but he really uh, made room for Mel and Kat. Kat's performance on the record is stunning. Yeah, there's there's a song that sounds some, somewhere between like Dolly Parton and Sarah Vaughn, you know, like. Yeah, uh, really, Riptide. Yeah, exactly. And and the harmonies on Canyons, just all of it. It's really stunning and such an evolution for you as an artist uh, and speaks to yeah. what everyone else brings to the table. Like. For those who aren't familiar, give a quick synopsis of the origin story with each collaborator in Gone Gone Beyond. So I guess you could technically start with me, um, right? So I guess for people who don't know what I do, my music's called The Human Experience. Um, I collaborate with a lot of different people. Uh, you know, have put out uh, 13 albums, and on each of those albums there's been like six to nine different collaborators, like featured collaborators, and then like tons of musicians scattered throughout. But it's always been me finding like a human experience album and the shows that I play are a, like a, I don't know, even a smorgasbord of like, of like different stuff, right? There's no genre on any of the records except other than it went through the David filter, right? Before you go, say what's your boy, whisper and go. It's more than you know, from skin to your soul, you're dripping in gold. Ooh, na na na, ooh, na na na, ooh, na na na, ooh. 
better or for worse. There's maybe there's a sound to it, but that's kind of what I've done, right? And that's how this band got put together, right? Like I had the solo stuff with Mel solo, with Danny solo, with Kat. Each one of them, though, is really like virtuoso um, as, an, as, a, as an independent and other just collaborated with tons of stuff. Uh, Danny, first member, right? Danny is right. a raspy-voiced uh, guy on the record. He's really stepped up and he's really doing the, a lot of the songwriting, a lot of the 80% of the lyrics, I'd say, are really informed or written by Danny. He really fleshes out a lot of my progressions or all of our progressions and adds a lot of really really strong hooks. And, you know, it's very mystical quality, obviously, to the lyrics. So that's Danny. More traditional Americana folk background, uh, rock background from Iowa, New York City. He was in Ludlow Thieves. Right. And then you got Mel. Mel is from Cuba and has lived in Barcelona. He's lived in Barcelona the last 15 years. And, um, but, I mean, he's a drummer, Cuban jazz drummer. You know, the reason he was able to leave is he was, you know, so incredibly amazing and got a permission from the government to, like, travel to Europe and, and to, you know, become a professional musician outside of Cuba but literally plays everything. He plays about 80% of the instruments on the record. Really? plays everything better than everyone by far <laughs> by far there's one song I, I was asking myself who's on upright bass and um there is no double bass on the record the double the upright bass it may be on riptide is an acoustic bass lost in america all the basses are acoustic basses but not upright gotcha we would, by the way, really love a, a, an endorsement from Taylor because we've been using their baby bass. So maybe they'll listen to this and send us this new guitar we want. All right. But it's all that little Taylor bass, which is sounding it sounds super amazing. Good. Amazing sound. Yeah. I didn't know that Mel was responsible for that much of the instrumentation because it's really lush, but also bare bones and delicate. It's, it's a, so that would be yours truly, probably's influence on production. You know, like, for example, I mean, everyone's in general, but, like, I would say that, like, because these songs have so many directions they could have gone, like Riptide, for example, or Lost in America, both of those songs, the bass takes that we had were, like, very colorful, you know? There's a lot going on, and then I think that that was, like, let's really hone in on the groove, make these things 
little bit tighter, which is not better or worse, but a stylistic choice. But he, um, but in terms of executing them perfectly, that would often be like, yo, Mel, like I could play that part, but like, let's have Mel play it. But you know, not, not for everything, but for a lot. So that's Mel. He's, he's really just the, uh, most experienced as like playing in different ensembles and working at a very, very high level of musicianship which has been great for me, who's been playing like playing bass in our live shows, a bunch of these songs. And I'm like, dear God, I am not a bass player. <laughs> like, but like, David, you must dig deeper and become a great bass player. It's not about how good you're playing, but it's about how good you're playing. <laughs> it's so great. So he's phenomenal and he's, you know, that. And then Kat, Kat's Kat, obviously, I think she just really sticks out. I mean, so does everyone vocally, but... You know, I mean, Kat brought Riptide. That's completely her song. That's her ma- main song that she wrote, writing everything. Fantastic, that number. Wow. Oh, it's dragging me down Like a riptide on my insides And I think I'm gonna drown Oh, good between the sounds You couldn't hear the notes between us when the flame is going out amazing it's amazing yeah. and her and, and she comes from a more jazz background jazz folk you know and we all like we all have our common ground on our like our spiritual practices and the fact that we like you know maybe psychedelics and meditation and our spirituality and there's a lot of common ground but musically it's definitely a, it's definitely interesting how we've made it all work you know it's a, i'm surprised sometimes that's where you come in because you have these rapports, these relationships. I mean, I love the human experience stuff with Kat. You know, really, uh, you and her have a vibe and you have a great creative wherever you guys take it. So you being the conductor of, you know, the kind of commonality uh, here, I think, you know, you talk, you sang the praises of your bandmates, but you know, without you, there is no gone, gone beyond, not just because you brought everyone together, but you are that sort of uh, amorphous, creative person that can adapt and encourage and bring maybe disparate influences, disparate artists together. And that Venn diagram, there you are in the middle. Uh, and then the, the process brings yeah. us this music. And, and I love it. And I also love it because it, it feels like I've been privy to the evolution because, you know, first stuff I ever heard from you uh, was the Soul Visions Project, which is still one of my favorite records of all time. And uh, and I don't say that with, you know, to be hyperbolic. I mean, it, it is one of my most treasured records in my life. Just know that I love you. 
also such a brilliant marriage of disparate art forms in music. So I know you've talked about it a number of times and I profess this adulation to you across, <laughs> across different continents at this point. But uh, yeah, like, do you draw any kind of line of lineage or evolution from that Absolutely. to this? Yeah. yeah. It feels like a pretty straight line, honestly. I mean, that record was really the introduction to that folk and Americana and electronic music and marrying those two together and trying to marry those two together, which really at that time, as far as I know, just really hadn't been done very much. It was like Beats Antique, kind of, but it wasn't like singer-song-driven. Right. Um, in that way of like bring, really bringing like folk and electronic music. And I think that really, that, I mean, that changed the whole game, right? Like I was like, hundred oh. percent. Like I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I had done, I hadn't even done that many songs that were that lyric driven at that point. And I'd say that, yeah, so it's like an integral part of the genesis of this. And, and I mean, I love, I love what Rising Appalachia has done and where they've taken their stuff. And, and I love that we've got to make a couple songs over the years. I, I do truly wish that we got to make a we we get to make more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that will happen at some point. And I hope I actually, I see a gone, gone beyond rising Appalachia collaboration. I mean, that just sounds like a no brainer to me. A tour, a tour would be the best of both worlds with a super jam and all that, you know, a tour with super. Yeah. I mean, I totally, well, we've been hosting these like kind of super jams at the end of our listening parties. We had one the other night and it was like, nice. Bro, play, the players in this was uh, our friend Deja, who played with Stevie Wonder for many, many, many years. Dwayne Duggar on saxophone, who plays with Bruno Mars. Andre De Santana on bass, plays with Sergio Mendez and Jason Mraz. Grace Kelly, saxophonist, like this monster. Uh, and then this guy I'd never even met, Smiley, who plays in this band called The Main Squeeze. I know them. Keyboardist. Who's, Keyboardist. Who's a jam. And he oh, just came in and sat in on keys. And then it was, this is a random jam that happened at the end that. of the listening party. They're a solid band, Main Squeeze. Wow. Yeah. I literally kept saying, I was like, fuck it. <laughs> I know all the other players. They're very good. He, I think he his first name's like, Ben, if I'm not mistaken. Smiley. Smiley. Yeah. Smiley. What a good, what a good person. I love that you're doing those kind of listening parties and stuff, man. That's great. And yeah, I've always seen like the, yeah, obviously, because Soul Visions and, and the impact it had on me. I've followed both Rising Appalachia and your careers ever since. But that was my introduction, for the most part, to both artists. And it's been remarkable what's, you know, happened for both of y'all ever since. And um, I know you've, like, uh, told the story a number of times. But just for the people listening at home, because I've played snippets of the music on the show, you know, you met them how, and then when does the record get made? You know, as little or as much as you want to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, we met in 2009 in India, in Arambol, uh, which is in Goa. It was a pretty big transformational time for me. I had moved from Central America, living in Central America for a couple of years, and moved, moved to India. Um, and I was just like playing street music and playing in like local bars and just exploring my spiritual path going, I was, went pretty far out there. I think I lived 
barefoot in a sarong for like over three months for a certain point. And I traveled all over India, like barefoot. Like it was, a, it was, I was pretty far out at the time. It was great. It was a I good time. It. it was beautiful. And, um, I met, I met Leah and Chloe in, in, in Goa and we became friends and we ultimately ended up hanging in Goa and also hanging in, in Bogsu, which is in like the base of the Himalayas, uh, in, in, in Dharamshala. Really beautiful place. You know, we became friends, and there were, there were all sorts of jams. It was a really open and free and explorative kind of time for me in my life, just meeting people that thought and lived their lives differently than I could have ever imagined. Um, and then, hey, we, we just kind of fell off, and that was that. We had a really good friendship and had some mutual friends, but nothing really much. And like three years later, three years later or so, I had gone to several Burning Mans, and I would have... I had met this guy called Android Jones and Android and I started touring and I started, you know, playing solo shows out and getting, getting to play bigger festivals and have my name out there. And all of a sudden I I was playing my first festival in, um, it was like North, I think it was North Carolina, North or South Carolina, blanking out on the name. And I saw their rising Appalachia on on the fly. I was like, wow, rising Appalachia is nice size writing on there like, <laughs> they've they've they did something like uh, we, we were just playing at like a local bar in, in right. india and i was like wow they're, they're like i mean they're they blew my mind there like when i was there i was like oh my god anyway so it's like i found them and i was like oh my god so good to see you you're, like you're doing cool stuff like it's amazing and they're like you know i had to leave so i missed their show mm. and they're like well we're going to be at another festival that you're doing next weekend called Rootwire." In, in Ohio, put on by Papadozio. Right. And I was like, ah, oh, sounds great. And it was just the two of them. It was, they were doing a show with just the two of them, not the whole band. So I went and uh, went to the festival, and, I, and I, during the show, I had a vision that we made an album together, like a full like transmission, like already done. So I went up to them after, and I was like, hey, um, I think we're, we're going we're gonna to make an album together. And they're like, you're crazy. Yeah, like they're like they're like you're crazy, but they're just like no. I mean, like I mean, maybe, but not no. But sure, whatever. And I was like, okay. I'm like, you'll you'll see. Anyway, a few a couple months later, this is probably in July or something, maybe a month before Burning Man. I found their song Swoon, mm. and I just straight up did like a bootleg remix of it. Not, I didn't have any of the stems yet or do any, do any recording sessions. I just, but it was such a stripped down song that I was able to do something pretty cool. And I played it at Burning Man that year, and I played it like I played like eleven sets, I think, that year. It was like my the year that I went insane, like my first big year at Burning Man. And because Burning Man had so many people at it, everyone started writing to them, and like a bunch of people were like, "Yo, did you hear the Human Experiences remix of Swoon? It's incredible!" And they're like, "What are you talking?" About? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Told you." And uh, and I sent it to them, and they were like, "Okay, let's 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 have a session." And so, like, we did a session in L.A., and then we ended up doing another session in, in New Orleans at our dear friend Rock's house, who passed away. Bless mm-hmm. Rock. But um, had an incredible session at Rock's house, and then we were in Lucent Dossier's studio, their, their rehearsal space here in Los Angeles, which was fun to record there. And then I was able to piece together with some stems from old stuff. I was able to piece together the Soul Visions records in two recording sessions. Amazing. Yeah. 
I love that. Did really, which was which was a really important album, I think, for both of us. You know. Oh yeah. I mean, from the outside looking in, just the impact it had on my friends and communities wherever I went from, you know, the East Coast, West Coast, Swanee, New Orleans, Burning Man, Costa Rica. It it proliferated. It It, it did the thing. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. And it really, the first time I saw you perform, you had them come up and sing a little bit. It was like the last day of Symbiosis 2013 at like 10 in the morning. Uh, and that was the first time I saw either of you and, uh, yeah, game changer and that record. Thank you for the origin story, because it's such a dear, dear piece of art to so many. And, and like I said, you you spread your wings. I mean, you had made records before that, but, uh, in the aftermath of that, it's been a joy to just see all the different people you collaborate with. And, you know, you, you have a penchant for really, uh, lifting up women, uh, vocalists, uh, instrumentalists etc like I, I may love and lila rose and cat factor and and so many you know it's in the in the festival world that we're in like that's the exception not the rule and i just wanted to note that and and just ask mm-hmm. you like uh do you see like you still performing and and working in that same sort of music community space or with gone gone beyond do you you know intend to maybe cross over and play Americana festivals or jazz fest in New Orleans. Headline Coachella. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You know, whatever it takes. Let's go all the way, bro. No, I, I, you know, I, I think it's a good question. I, I deeply am grateful for my community that has supported me and my career. I, I never did the like explode rocket ship up. Thing. I mean, maybe for some people they think that, but like, let me tell you, it's been a bit of a slow roll to like <laughs> to get to where things are right now, and uh, you know, ma- being able to maintain. I'm 100% grassroots still. Gone Gone Beyond is building a team, which is exciting, um, and I've had some uh, some great help along the way. But I mean, I've done all my booking and all my management. Still, still don't have an agent or a manager. It's crazy. And I'm so grateful for my community that's like been like my envision and my lightning in a bottle and that. And like, I hope that I get to grow even larger in those communities. And I am really excited about the potential of the new Gone Gone Beyond record being like, I mean, like she just can't help but shine like that. That could be like a hit country record when I hear that and I'm like, I would never literally in a million years be, I would never when, even when Danny brought me that record, she's like, I wanted you to produce this. I'm like, this is not a gone, gone beyond song. 
And he's like, I think it is a gong gong Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I think you're fucking nuts, man. Like, this is a country song. And we did it. You know, I think I'm, I'm, I'm you know, like, got some great help from Sean Rodman from Moon Tricks on that tune. And I, and I had got True Osborne to do the gospel choir on it, which was, you know, that was my call. And I, I would never in a million years see that happening. And, and now that it is happening, I'm ex- I've never played a folk festival. I mean, but I definitely see that happening with this record, especially because, like, I mean, you went to the, the last tour that we did is, is the current format of the show, right? It's mm-hmm. half acoustic, half acoustic electronic. And that will evolve, I'm sure. But that's how it is now. But I totally see a world where we do fully acoustic shows, and I see a world where we do fully electronic shows. Yeah. And that's the beauty of this band. I think that I think that that's why it will cross over, and it, it is crossing over it right is. now. It is currently like in this moment, right? Yeah, it's getting. I mean. I mean, we were on a playlist the other day. It was like Lord Huron, Lumineers, and Gone Gone Beyond, and like like on like Amazon's top alt folk playlist. And I'm like, I, I that would that was a plot twist to me, right? <laughs> but I'm not surprised because if people are not coming through the to the music through the human experience career arc, and they're just hearing it. Uh, it's very accessible. That's the new decision though, right? That's brand new. That's like two weeks old for real. Like we literally, we re, we re uploaded the album to distribution to take my name off of it, which, which was a a big thing. It's a big step, but I think it's time, uh, you know, album number three, five ish years into the project. I mean, if you, if you like, you, you like that, you like that move. Well, if you wanted to live outside of yourself so you can continue as the human experience and, and have gone, gone beyond to have a life of its own. I think it's essential. It also yeah. validates the other players, uh, as that's far as what, on the marquee, one. um, team, you know, there's no I in team, all that stuff. And, and at the same time, I adore your solo music. A lot of us do. And while we love gone, gone beyond, and it was even cool. It's in not, the beginning, yeah, it's definitely not, not the that. same. So if yeah. it liberates you to get back to, you know, some beats, some dance music, some of those juicy electro love songs. Um, that's a win-win for everybody. Well, I did. I, bro, I have like full remixes of like almost every song, like on, on tons of the songs. Like I did. I mean, dude, some of these songs, there are three versions or four versions. There's a song that we have a song. I'm trying to call in Rick Rubin because I think he's supposed to produce this song. <laughs> he doesn't know it yet but from your lips to jaw ears <laughs> why not right but uh i mean we have we recorded four versions of this one song that's not even on the record i mean it's crazy but that's just the creative and i verse. like them all i like all the versions but you know i'm, I'm walking down here with you for the, those people can't see me but i'm going to get a lighter because i see b having a little joint ski here i am yeah i want to join you um danny may i have a lighter please you have a pile of john's lighters huh? John did some incredible, the guy who was just talking, did some really epic kind of behind-the-scenes black-and-white photography of the last recording session. Nice, nice. I look forward to seeing that. You know what I was saying, though, but I appreciate you saying that, and that's the silver lining of all this. It's because I, like, literally have so many songs. I mean, during quarantine, I made so many songs. Where did you spend the majority of your time in the past year and a half? 
I started at, um, in Boulder, Colorado. I had an apartment in New York, which I was Airbnb while I was, um, tra- while I was touring. We closed up shop in New York, never went back, had someone pack it remotely. Stayed for the first six weeks in, in Boulder and then ended up moving out here to LA. And I've been in Topanga Canyon, which is where Canyons is. I mean, Topanga is really, the sound that you're hearing on the record is us moving to Topanga Canyon. Yeah. That's, that's what happened, basically. And I love that song. And I also love how you like the second to last song, I think, is the lyric uh, of See You in the Canyons or Meet Me in the Canyons. It just, it, it was like really, uh, you know, kind of painted the picture. You know what's interesting about that song, by the way? I wonder if you noticed it, but we called that song's called The Better Way to Love. Right. That, that is Canyons. That's the vocal from Canyons. The whole song is the whole vocal transposed four semitones or five semitones. I can't remember. And then I've just produced it. I didn't, it, it didn't feel like a remix. It felt like I was like, you know, we made the hook. There's a better way to love. I changed the pre-chorus to the hook. Okay. That song is Canyons. I noticed the lyrical connection. Yeah. It almost feels like a little send up there, but it's actually, it's the whole song. I love that. Which is, yeah, that's, it's one of my favorite things about this record of how the actual the, the, there's so many layers to how it's put together you know the songs where how they flow into each other the meanings and the stories of the songs um, but how it's bookended with both canyons canyons yes. and a better way to love and I'm like that's that's one of the things I feel magical about what the band is doing right now she said I know you feel it and yeah there's some depth always to even you know the stuff you do where you do like a vocalist on top of your electronic music but with these harmonies you know each vocal uh danny's voice that leathery rock and roll raspy thing and and cat really like me and my fiance driving home from nevada city we did the album the other night uh 
and she was just astonished at the cat that we heard on, you know, your your solo stuff, singing a song like Riptide and not just singing it, but owning it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, um, for real. You know, so I'm proud of you, man. I I love just about everything you do, but the trajectory evolution of of gone gone beyond like i said going back to here and backswing one morning at envision in 2016 uh and and through now it's been uh just a joy and remarkable ascent yeah i mean you know the good thing is is one thing that i was saying the silver lining of all this is is of the switching of the names and allowing gone gone beyond to really fly on its own kind of like feels like it's like leaving the nest or something and like it's it's enabled me like like i'm really excited to put out some of the new human experience stuff like i've been like yeah i'm collaborating with some really really interesting people la has been amazing i've been you know collaborating from everything from like pop producers like major and just met kaiza recently and we're planning on doing some music and then everything from like I did a full ambient record, like full really? pure atmospheric psychedelic ambient, no beats, no nothing, no words, barely any melody at all. Just like I textural like, sonic stuff. Uh, my friend said it sounds like the birthing. It sounds like the birthing of the universe. It's like play, or some another friend called it planetarium music. I like it. I mean, there's a time and place for that kind of vibe for sure. I, I'm excited to share it, you know? I mean, like, I, yeah, I'm going to do some guided meditations over it as well. Right on. So, like, yeah, it's going to be a whole new adventure. Well, you got to keep us posted on that. I know you're always up to cool stuff outside of music. And when you talk about, like, your solo stuff, man, I can remember in addition to your original music and the collabs with, you know, singers, women, Android Jones, art pieces going along with your albums. Um, you know, there's just like a, a certain touch you have, certain touch with the remix, you know, uh, that's yours, like Manu Chao or Aaliyah or Outkast. Like you've sort of reinvented, repurposed, reimagined beloved songs from the zeitgeist and, and dropped them in the festival dance floor setting that you know, what comes over people in those dance sessions, uh, uh, you know, is I could I can imagine, close my eyes and see you playing in uh, Sunrise on a Braxis or like I said, that symbiosis mid-morning set. And just the being a part of those dance floors like changed me as a human, uh, no pun intended. Like they, they were essential to my own personal evolution and finding something within myself connected to music that I didn't even know. So then when I would like bump into you on the street at Jazz Fest, you know, go you were going to the fairgrounds to see Cheese, I think you were by yourself. And I was looking for my mom, I believe. And we walked around New Orleans and then, you know, you did the Soul Visions thing there. You opened for the roots there. And my whole world outside of this West Coast thing is rooted in that whole Jazz Fest thing, mm -hmm. Jam Cruise, et cetera. So I see a way for you to exist in all the worlds, in the instrumental music world, the folk fests, the jam jazz fest vibe, and out here on the West Coast, or in, in the quote unquote transformational or new agey festival world, et cetera. You, you've just got a lot of irons in the fire and not everybody can necessarily coexist in all the spaces and have something to contribute that has merit, but you've proven that across the board. So like, that's why I love covering your projects 
also just like where your head's at. And, and I wanted to ask some questions outside of music, maybe just one or two, because yeah. I, I value where you're at with it. Like we haven't talked in a while, uh, obviously outside of the stuff that's going on in the U.S., just in our community, in the festival community and the West Coast, sort of like, quote unquote, conscious, spiritual. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of, you know, vitriol or whatever you want to say. And I'm not here to, you know, what do you think about that? More like, do you have a vision or a hopeful idea of how we can all come together again in spite of these sort of deeply rooted divisions or, you know, denials or the social stuff? Like, uh, I'm, I'm struggling with it personally. Like, mm. it, it keeps me up at night being aware of how some people feel or think about some things. And those are people I held dear or artists or people in the community who's you know facilitated amazing experiences for me or and then now i'm i'm confused so it's not about who said what yeah. or who thinks what but do you see a way to back to cohesion and yeah i mean i think everyone i mean this is a weird time for planet earth in general <laughs> like it, it's pretty i mean it's a we're going through a major metamorphosis um, in every way, you know, where it's a metamorphosis of how we're creating more balance in gender. It's a metamorphosis in how we're treating people of color. It's a metamorphosis in how we, uh, how we treat each other, with what we believe with human rights. With, I mean, we're, hit, we're getting hit from all angles right now. And I do believe that we, it is, I mean, it, it's like a metamorphosis, right? You know, it's like we're, humanity is stretching its edges right now from what we thought was the way to be, which is confusing because that does seem to be a white male-dominated, oppressive, oppressive sexually, oppressive, I mean, like every way that you can slice it. Um, and we are, what I see is that we are, out of all of the challenges that are happening, whether that's the BLM movement or gender equality and the correct gender pronouns or the Me Too movement or all of, all of the different things that are happening, what everyone wants is is actually happiness and to be respected and to be to treat each other with kindness and and honesty and transparency and 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 hopefully all of these issues will. And, and as we all take responsibility for the things that have happened, hopefully these, we can reach a point of unity, which is, does seem like what the goal is. I don't necessarily know how we get there. I mean, there's so many different ways, things we could talk about within that. Um, I think in terms of one thing that's really alive for me personally right now is just like uh, coming together with and playing music again, like, what is that going to look like? What is gathering going to look like? Right. Um, and I really am super curious. I mean, I have been hosting little gatherings at my house and little listening parties and concerts for like 25 people, but that's not, you know, Red Rocks. Um, and I don't, I, I'm curious. I haven't, I'm just starting to get back to touring again and, 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 and observing what I think sometimes I, I underestimate as like the trauma that a lot of people have experienced over the last 15 months. I mean, and, and many places in the world are still experiencing just by being separated from other people. Indeed. I mean, God, I really wish they used another term besides social distancing and they just did physical distancing. 
Like, they, couldn't they have just done physical distancing? Like, hey, just stay apart. Be social. Don't, don't limit your socialness. Socialness is an inherent, necessary part of our happiness as a species, um, unless you're going to try to be like the Buddha and, like, be a recluse in a cave. Um, I mean, if you want to be a regular human, we want to be together. So I think, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting time. I mean, I keep I'm I've been meeting people. I was very fortunate. Like I had a com- small community. I had people that I could be around that, that I felt safe with throughout this time. But I mean, man, I'm still meeting people that like are have not have not been around other people in like sure. 15 months, literally. And it's funny. Like I'm negotiating this these touring these dates, and I'm like. God, I wonder how people are going to come back together. I'm so curious. I, I, li- I mean, I, I went to Miami and Tulum recently. <laughs> I played a couple of shows. Those were my first shows. <laughs> Tulum and Miami, like this last month. I went to my first club in like 15 months. And I was like, I felt like, I felt like I was like in like like high school going to like uh or like middle school going to a high school party like that kind of like <laughs> awkward you're like oh how do I engage what are these people doing <laughs> should I shake your hand nice to meet you and I'm like oh my god this is so yeah fascinating. I mean I imagine that's going through a lot of artists performers minds just like fans some fans are eager to just jump back in two feet first others are really apprehensive. I, I imagine it's the same for the artists. I talk to a lot of people about it, especially on the pod um, and on Krasno's pod too. We talk about it a bunch where it's like, what is the new normal? Like I've only been to two concerts. I'm, I'm going to see Carl Denson at a winery this weekend, which will be like tables. That feels appropriate though. You're like, right. oh, cool. Everyone's VIP now. Like, you know, right. like, Hey, everyone's got a table. Oh, it has its pluses. Like we, we went to uh, you know, like a 50 person lettuce show in Denver. And then we went to see Phil Lesh at Terrapin with my mom and both were like physically distanced tables the new normal, if you will. But now, obviously, it's June 15th. We're talking today that today's the day that the gloves come off here in California. I went to a restaurant without a mask on today. Wow. Was it uh, liberating or did it feel any kind of like page turn, even figuratively? I, uh, <laughs> I most people were still wearing masks, to be right. honest. And I, I felt uncomfortable. Yeah. For, for a little bit, you know, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay, like I want to help encourage people to have, you know, to still be mindful with how they, whatever help, whatever their needs are to feel safe, whatever your needs are, but to also be like, hey, like this is, you know, this is what I'm choosing right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was a trip. It's a trip. I bet, man. I bet. And you know, like you said, it's been a weird time and metamorphosis. Well stated. I just have a lot of apprehension and fears about, I don't know, disinformation, the sort of delusion that infected my festival community, our festival community, the ecstatic dance community up in Nevada City and, you know, things that I hold dear to my bosom and and people. Uh, So I try to practice empathy, like uh, instead of being angry, just like see them as sick or misguided. Um, But at the same time, I struggle to envision, no pun intended, the, uh, the gathering that you say, and like, what if I am commiserating with these people and I've seen these ideas and beliefs that I find to be abhorrent, that I would have never known about them if we weren't stuck at home or on our computers for all these months. But now coupled with the, you know, absolutely cataclysmic social culture war, 
uh, I find myself like really, really bugged out. And then yeah. you've been such like just a, you know, the words get thrown around too much, but like a light being like you have been a conductor of music, of dance floors, of community, of, you know, I've heard you on Eamon's podcast or, you know, you go to these retreats where you build with thinkers and progressive minds, like trying to better the world. So I really value, you know, your, how you see things. And that's why I asked, do you see uh, a hopeful future for us, for the, for the community? I, 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 will, I will pose a challenging position for you because I actually, to be honest, find myself in more of a middle ground. I, I don't, I mean, I've heard every perspective and I'm a, I'm a fan of open-mindedness. I mean, there are so many things in my life that I don't know anything about. And I found myself, the only thing that gives me, like, this is the only answer I have for you because I don't see a way other than this to love people who have different belief systems to you, than you. For example, if, like, you have Christian friends that are very, very, you know, Christian and they're amazing people, but they think if you're gay, you're going to burn in hell. You know, like, mm -hmm. I, I mean, like I had a cousin who said that to, like to, to me about like, uh, I, you know, like, oh, I wish you had a different belief system because I love you so much. But and I, it's, I feel sad that you're going to burn in hell, <laughs> you know, and you're like, shit, like, how do I have a relationship with this person? Now, I have a couple choices. I can acknowledge that whatever my own belief system is, is actually still just my own belief system. It, it is not any more objectively real than what this other person's is as long as what they're doing hopefully moves towards creating kindness and more love in general like if their if their belief system involves causing harm to other people i think it's, and that's very subjective even there because you're like well are you causing harm to democracy are you causing harm to i mean like right. that it's like how deep do you want to go but that being said still it's still a belief system and and it's not objectively real at all, to be honest. And where I've been at is I'm studying more the Zen approach, the Zen Buddhist approach. And I've been studying specifically, I studied for, there was a big chunk of the quarantine where I just listened to it basically every day, um, which is called the Third Patriarch of Zen, which is like a Sen Khan. He's, he, Bodhidharma would be the first person who brought Buddhism from India um, to Japan, and then that's who Bodhidharma is, and the, the second master of this, this guy named Senkan, and he wrote this very simple thing, not very long, you can listen to it. Ram Das does a very nice reading of it, it's 18 minutes long, um, and, <clears throat> and as I had my spiritual practice at the pinnacle or the forefront of every choice I make, I've been trying to figure out, well, how do I be like I don't agree with disagree with one pe person being more evil. I think that there's a lot of things that we don't understand about what's happening in the world. And I can't pretend to, I, I know that for example, like I'm a big fan of ancient, uh, Christianity. I like Gnostic Christianity. It's the original Christians, which had like reincarnation in it. It had sacred sexuality in it. It revered Mary Magdalene in it. It had like 41 books that were removed from the Bible so, like, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know what I know, but that seems weird. So it's like I, I can see that there have been forces that have tried to control 
and subjugate humanity instead of humans having liberated sexuality, understanding of maybe alternate principles, understanding of our psychic powers, understanding of what real human potential is. But either way, it just sent me to this place where it's like, when I study Zen, it says, that in this text, it says, to set up what you like against what you dislike is the disease of the mind. It doesn't mean that you can't, it, it's, you know, if you're either for or against anything, you'll never get anywhere in terms of, like, liberated. Now, how does this show up in, like, it, it can sound like, oh, very apathetic, you know, like, oh, I'm not for or against anything. And equanimity, which is, you could say, is, is what is the goal, is balance, right? right? Equanimity is the goal of my practice. Awareness and equanimity. The awareness piece is that, like, I'm not apathetic. I'm an active participant in the world, and there's a way to show up to treat all people with love and say, like, I'm interested in a dialogue. Like, I want to know why you believe the thing that I don't believe. Not to make you right, but I'm curious at what it is. Like, what, is the, what are the drivers? Is it you truly believe that there's hidden knowledge and reptile beings that are running the planet? Is it that, I mean, what is it? Like, well, you know, like, where's, where's your, what is your perspective? And I see the biggest challenge coming from no one is even interested on both sides for every issue is no one is interested in having what like the Greeks called a dialectic, like a, a conversation, you know, people get so charged and are so emotional with, with things that everyone's just yelling at each other. And I, and as long as that's happening, I don't see any way forward. I, I, the only way I see forward is to like listen and honor and accept and hope to live a life and to share as much information as possible that maybe changes that person's perspective or to accept it and be like, look, if you think the earth is flat, I, I think you're a little crazy, but I, but, and I, I'm, I don't totally understand, but here are some things that might make you think that the earth is not flat. And if you choose to enjoy them and want to have a conversation about that, I'm here. You, right. and and if you as long as it's not like causing like major harm you know like i'm not proselytizing my belief system and telling people i think you should believe this way if you believe that you know if you're a proud democrat and you are so pumped on joe biden hallelujah have a good time i, I don't have to agree with you if you are a crazy QAnon person and you think donald trump is a time traveling hero I don't have to tell you you're a crazy person. Like, you know, like if you want to be a crazy person, be a crazy person. Where it does, I mean, where rubber meets the road kind of stuff, and I do think is a big issue, is like mandatory vaccines, for example. And this is where the Zen tradition gets a little hairy because you're like, oh, fuck. Like, well, how do I feel about that? You know, like that's right. a big deal. So anyway, this is not an easy approach, but I, in terms of its practical solving of how to engage with other people in a loving and kind way, I do think it's like a great way to be like, I'm not going to be for or against your opinion. I mean, it's hard to say that if like I'm Jewish, for example, and there's someone who is a Nazi. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how I would deal with that if we went I'll cross that bridge when I right. come to it, I guess. I would say that's what's helped me through this to, to connect with people that have different perspectives than me is to be like, yeah. well, I'm, I'm curious about your perspective. Like, how the fuck did you become a white supremacist? I can't comprehend it in my mind. I can't. I right. don't understand. It, explain to me why. <laughs> like, 
you know, and maybe people think that's total insanity, you know, like, but at the same time, like my goal is to, to, I know that underneath it, that anyone like someone, let's say someone who's a white supremacist, they were born into the world, uh, an innocent, loving child, and they were learned, they learned and indoctrinated we're being indoctrinated into a culture of hate and systemic racism. I can have empathy and compassion for that and be like, how can, where's the hope? Where's the hope for this person? Um, it doesn't mean I have to like them. I can think they're the scum of the earth at, it, with their current lifestyle choices. But I think at the end of the day, like, you know, I mean, it's like, it's hard for me to say this and this is, I'm Jewish. Okay. My well, many a lot of my family was killed in the Holocaust. Hitler was a great painter. He was a phenomenal painter, and he was rejected from art school. He was rejected from the Vienna Art School, and I just go think it's like that's the that's the most extreme example I can possibly think of of where like shame and guilt causes a great a guy who just wanted to go to art school. I mean, imagine, imagine yeah. if he got into art school. It's fucking crazy. I mean, it's not like, right? He applied. He got denied. And, you know, and now you get the fucking Holocaust. So my guru said, it's like, you know, you want to put those people on your altar. If you want, if you can learn to have compassion for the people who are, it's not being apathetic. It's not being like, we need change now. Racism, not okay. Top down systems reform now. Like I'm, I'm in it. And how do we also move from a place where all our decisions are full of compassion and those people that we hate the most, we have compassion for them too. Um, and until I think we get there, we're fucked. <laughs> but that's why it's important for you to share like the Zen approach, man. And that resonated with me. I feel like I have, you know, a ways to go there for sure. I'm not, I'm certainly not embracing conflict or even engaging in it, but I've been able, I've been able to practice the empathy and come from a place of understanding. I've always tried to leave room for other ways of thinking, other belief systems since the beginning. Uh, what I think happened is all this time and computer time and uh, fear mongering on all sides really painted people into their corner um, and their safety in numbers. And there's a whole lot of... It's the most impressive marketing propaganda campaign on every side and every dimension right. that you could ever imagine. And so just trying to navigate that for anyone, whatever side you're on is confounding. Yeah. And, and it takes a, <laughs> an approach like you're describing with, and I appreciate you sharing that. And I, I want to get back. Like I always could look over the other side of the dance floor and see people totally different than me in every way and love them for it. And I just think I, like many became privy to a lot of, dialogue like and how verbiage. can you possibly believe the thing right that you're believing and and, and that and, hurts when you're like yes what the fuck because i'm jewish too and obviously a lot of that stuff is is connected to anti-semitism but then i'm getting it on the other side because you know i'm really pro-palestinian liberation and yeah uh, and so then my Jewish friends and family are like, what the fuck, dude? What are you out there? You know, you're wrong team. And I'm like, no, it's not teams. Like, none of this is good. There is a team. It's an earth team. There's one team. That's the, that, see, that's a problem. There, there's a team. There's just only one of them. And the division of things is what, you know, has gotten it all fucked up. And I mean, it's tough. It's like, you know, it's so easy to say, to try to like, to take the, you know, the spiritual bypassing perspective of, 
of the Buddhist approach and just say like, oh, well, nothing matters and, and just be a nihilist and like whatever and let's all die and whatever. But I mean, at the same time, it, the, the, the tough thing for me is on the one hand, this is, this is a tough thing for everybody, by the way, universal, is we're humans. We exist in a human body on the earth doing, we have stories and, and belief systems and virtues and, and emotions and, and sensations and it's all happening. But at the same time, we're actually not humans, right? We're spiritual beings having human experience and, and all sorts of things are happening. So many things are happening that, that, uh, on a cosmic and on, a different, on another level than what we conventionally experience as human earth bodysuit bullshit, like, you know, linear time, for example, or all those things. And I guess, you know, where I'm at personally in my journey is like, it's so easy to get caught up. And, and by the way, this is a white male privilege perspective I'm going to share right now. It's the only thing that I have. It's the best I got. So deal with me. I, and, and, I, and that's only on one level because I do really feel closer to spirit more and more every day, you know, and the way that I'm living my life and the choices that I'm making and the way I choose to engage with other people. So I do feel as, as a spirit and I just happen to be in a white male body, this, this incarnation. The only way I see humanity making it through, I mean, our album's called 2030, right? We're looking at 2030. That's what we're looking at, the, the date. I hope I see you in the year 2030, this whole thing. The only way I think I see personally getting there is if we can rethink the entire way that we treat each other. And that's an inside out process. It's the be the change you want to see in the world process. It means someone does something shitty to you. You do the best you can to engage in a compassionate and loving kind way. Something you disagree with, it has a different view than you, be open-minded. I mean, there are some things, many ways that we can do that. And I think by having a meditation practice, self-inquiry practice, like what am I? You know, most people are just running malware programs on their human OS and it's, no one's even doing anything. It's blind reaction after blind reaction all day. Mm -hmm. No one is even thinking. They're, they're all, everyone is totally brainwashed. Not everyone, but a huge portion of humanity is sleepwalking. I unfortunately don't see personally any solve for those as long as we're engaging in the in the in the story and the narrative that we've been living which is a comparative competitive society i don't see that working anymore i don't care how many movements you start uh, there's just going to be more adversity as long as we're comparing each with each other and competing with each other and until we evolve to a collaborative society which i see happening i see we're moving towards that i think that we can do it and I think that there will be, I think a lot of people are going to die. And I think there's going to be a lot of pain and suffering along. And that's okay. You know, if we want to evolve through, you know, it's like the chicken, it's like the baby chick. We're inside the shell and we're like, we're, we're getting, we're growing to the edge of the shell. And we're like, fuck, we're all going to die. But we realize we have <laughs> to peck through the shell and there's a whole other world out there. And like, but you do have to peck through the shell. You do right. have to destroy the, the thing that came before. You don't just... The, the shell doesn't keep growing. You don't ask the shell to continue to grow to house the baby chick. No. The shell is broken. You know, the only way I see doing that is, is through a full reprogramming of how we treat each other. And I don't 
have all the answers of how to do that yet. But I mean, the one that I do seem that seems to be working for me experientially is taking time of self-inquiry. At least just take the first step of saying like, who am I? What do I stand for? How do I want to be treated? How do I want to treat other people with more kindness? How can I learn to be kind instead of right? How can I learn to be more open-minded? Where have I, where have I been trained to live in a more fear mentality? And how can I get out of my programmings of fear, guilt, shame, blame? How can I eliminate those things? Yeah. And then I think if we all do that, then we'd have a great, we'd have a, a better chance at being like, you know, where, how could, how could racism exist? How could it exist in that atmosphere? It's like take away, take away the fuel for the fire. Don't compare yourself because of what you were born into or the color. How, how, it's like, how can you have, it's just ironic. Like how do you have pride for something that you didn't work for? You know, right. it's like, that's what's hilarious. I'm like, you have pride for something you earned. You don't earn being white, you know, like, you know, like, I'm sorry, you don't earn your skin color. You're, you're, every human is a beautiful, perfect, incredible potential of, of nirvana of enlightenment you know it's like how could that that, those things wouldn't exist how could you have gender inequality if you if you honor the feminine like the thing that birthed you like come on now like what the fuck yeah like how does that happen i don't understand yeah man that's deep uh we got it fucked up somewhere along the way because right but but we can prevail we can prevail And that's why, you know, these type of conversations and hearing you, you know, wax, hopeful, philosophic, intentional. I appreciate it. I know the listeners will, too, you know, because it's fun on the dance floors and making the music and the good times. But there's the other side of that coin. And and you you didn't just ruminate on what's wrong or what's fucked up. You gave your own, you know, simple, mindful awareness approach practice. It's all I have so far, you know, it's like, it's more than most and it's a value. It definitely landed. And I appreciate you sharing it, man. Just like, I appreciate the music. I appreciate your time, the energy, the place you hold and operate, matriculate in our community. You're dear to many of us. And, you know, we give thanks. Yeah. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And, you know, that they threw us some technical curveballs. We somehow managed to stick it out. <laughs> really grateful man and and as much as we covered we left a lot on the table and there's obviously a whole lot to come so next time (laughs) in person maybe with the bandmates maybe in a foreign country but uh let's do it with the band we're going on tour well i'll certainly see you whenever you come to the bay or nevada city or both yeah keep you posted man we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up it's been a long time in the making the up for life podcast the human experience collab collision uh conversation and man you gave a lot of us a lot to unpack and to uh <laughs> to chew on and, and no yeah. that's why i had so you, that man. wasn't too much it was no i'm so stoked <laughs> that it, we took it uh esoteric because it's deeper than music you know and and that's important the music is it you know that's the yeah. thing that's the fabric of the music the whole i don't know that's the thing for me the music is the universal language it if music is math I like this analogy. Music is math, right? It's just intervals between frequencies. That's what it is. So it is, it's, it's 
it's experience your math that you can experience, right? You wouldn't right. really, it wouldn't be music if it was just dissonant tones, right? They're very right. specific intervals between things. And I think what's great is humans did not invent math. Humans discovered math. And I can't remember which incredible thinker said that, but it's like math is the language of the universe, right? Everything exists in harmony in that way. Like um, the Milky Way is the same shape as the same exact ratio as a sunflower. I mean, that's insanity, right? The Milky Way sunflower, same shit. Exactly. Like not similar. Like it's like, it's the same ratios, gold and mean and phi, right? Music is the audible portion of, of the length of the, of the universe. I mean, literally, you know, it's the, it's the universe singing and, and, and humans, we just discovered that, you know? So it's like, it's all together, man. I mean, it's all one thing. All right, man. Love you, brother. Love you too. I'll talk to you soon. say thank you offer a deep deep bow of gratitude to my dear friend david block the human experience for that wonderful free exchange of ideas just to catch up with him about gone gone beyond get the origin story of both that group and of course soul visions with rising appalachia maybe one day chloe will come on the show i'd love to speak with her not only about that, but about their whole career, of which I'm a huge fan. Thanks to David's collaboration, and I hope everybody checks that out. Um, and again, thanks to Barry Lieberman for hooking it up with Gone Gone Beyond. And check out my story on Live for Live Music with David and about the album. And now we're going to do a little mini human experience mixtape experience. Uh, can't touch on everything or it would be quite long he's had many chapters many albums many collaborations as you heard about and i hope down the road to sit down with him and you know in person live and direct uh and chop it up about other parts of his career other collaborators and whatever else has transpired between then and now you're hearing Chan Chan, which is a fantastic number. Buena Vista Social Club, reimagined by David with Ignacio Perez Borel, 
and Igor Raku's Itzik. This is always a favorite, his live sets. And like we always do about this time, the Vibe Junkie Jams, and I'm going to hit you with a series of numbers that are close to my heart uh, that David's been a part of or captained and created and imagined his self. Um, I already pay- played the Dusted Compass Future Primitive remix as the Vibe Junkie Jam for a very Burning Man uh, esque or centric, Burning Man cent- Playa centric episode I did some time ago. So we're going to go with the original Dusted Compass human experience with Lila Rose. Just a song very dear to my heart, kind of like the theme song to my very first burn and uh, page turning, a chapter in my life. Very emotional number. So starting with Dusted Compass, then getting into Broken Open uh, album with Walking on the Moon, uh, David kind of reimagining the police song with the help of the Grouch and be born then we're going to come into one from soul visions rising appalachian the human experience we'll do mississippi in full amazing song you already heard all about what that means to me and then we'll wrap it up with a pair of live versions excuse me no we'll start with an early song from gone gone beyond the first record Under Siege featuring Calibri. Fucking love this song. Takes me back to Envision 2016 and the summer that followed. Then we'll get into a couple live versions of songs found on 2030. Canyons, live from Hotel El Ganzo. I want to dedicate Canyons to my dearly departed friends Ben Kennedy, Benny Dredd, big fan of all things David Block. We miss you, Benny. And also dedicated to my dear friend, Chris Zegers, who also passed recently. Canyons has been great medicine for me in processing these losses. Love both of those brothers. And we'll finish with Gravity live at the Mushroom Farm. Both Canyons and Gravity can be found on 2030. The absolutely stunning new album from gone gone beyond once again i want to say thank you to david block thank you to everybody who tuned in hit me up b.getz at upfullife.com check out the human experience david block on all the streaming services goodbye jobless and we'll see you next time Uncover the reason
Walking back from your house, walking on the moon. 
nothing is around, still stepping. Heels toward the ground, feet ain't touching nothing. Nothing is the matter when we're walking on the moon. Michael Jackson action, fresh out of our cocoons. I wanna live in your house and go about the rooms. Don't care about the whereabouts, the glow is so in tune. Weightless giants, not even police can catch. Achieving the highest bliss, free of the beaten path.
Chicago. So led me to the world while everybody in the was safe at This space is a purple She said, I know you've got a good heart But there's a better way to love her Still I believe Even if it's not real There ain't nothing that time won't heal And I'll see you in the
Let go.